So welcome to Tigers Radio, uh, part of the fan-sided podcast network, and I am Chris Brown. And our fearless leader, Roger, uh, is enjoying a well-earned vacation off camping, so I'm your temporary host tonight. Before we uh, begin, I want to remind everybody to check out all our podcasts uh, on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's uh, Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever else there is out there. Google does something, I think. Uh, You can also find us uh, on Twitter at Tigers Radio Pod. And also check out our videos of Tigers Minor League Prospects at on Twitter at Tigers ML Report. And you can, also, of course, always read all our writing over at Motor City Bengals and on Twitter at MCB underscore Tigers. And uh, joining me tonight, uh, of course, are our two fellow contributors from Motor City Bengals, our regular third host, Youper, who you can find on Twitter at Youper underscore IA, and as well as our special guest host, Jake, who's been on here several times, who is also on Twitter at Bose No BB. Bose Knows BB, I believe, is how it's uh, you got it. written out there. Yeah. So, gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? Hey, doing really good, really good. Yeah, I'm that's good. good. That's good to hear. You, we missed you last week. Uh, Jake, you were on our show just on Sunday when the minor league stuff. So, And then I saw you on what, Tuesday? Yeah. Are you sick of yeah. me yet? No, no, no. It's good. This okay. Is, okay. It's all fun. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, we're going to, as usual, we'll touch on some, uh, some uh, a variety of Tigers topics and baseball topics, and we'll hit our segments, and then we'll get out of here. I, I sent out the call for uh, questions and got none. No so, way. <laughs> uh, you know, I think people probably wanted to watch a live stream and then ask us questions on the fly, but I, again, yeah. I don't really know how to do that. So <laughs> this is, uh, we're, we're flying a little, uh, uh, you know, we're going back to the 90s here without Rogelio. But um, so, yeah, I figure, I guess we'll start off with uh, today's game and this series and this homestand. Uh, and my question to you guys is, what the hell was that? Well, it could go a long way dissecting this one from a bunch of different angles. It was, you know, it was interesting today. I, Candelario hit that home run, I think, to make it eight to two. And I had an appointment at my son's school, and I went inside, and it took about an hour, more or less. And I came out thinking, oh, I'll check the score, see if, see how much they won by. <laughs> and uh, I get out there, it's ten to nine Tigers. Mm. And, oh boy, here we go. So we had some bullpen difficulties. So I watched the whole thing uh, later, and um, you know, it's just kind of more of the same. Some of the weaker pitchers in the bullpen. I think they're starting to find their water's finding their level. And, uh, you know, the Joe Jimenez that we know and love all these years is, is, is back full force among other things. So and it has been kind of frustrating. I, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, in a lot of ways this team has kind of overperformed anyway. So you kind of wonder if they're kind of regressing to the mean, but, uh, yeah, it's been an, an ugly series, and it's not necessarily that they're losing. It's the way that they're <laughs> losing these last couple games. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, my immediate reaction was this was probably the worst loss of the season for the Tigers. And, uh, you know, you blow a, what, 10-run lead, 8-run lead, was it? They were up 10-2, to two, I think, and lost 13-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, And, uh, you know, that's coming off, like you said, Jake, that's coming off where they almost had a perfect game thrown against them on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then generally just, uh, you know, not great baseball for the whole homestand, which is unfortunate because, you know, everybody's looking forward to this for the Miguel Cabrera home run chase. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is, is Miggy didn't seem terribly bothered by, I don't know, he, he seemed to be playing basically the way he was before. He got a lot of hits. He did a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about a lot of hits, but he was continuing to hit the way he had been before. He just didn't put yep. one over the fence. So, which is kind of what you want to see, right? Yeah. He, he is swinging the bat well. There's no question. But I think what we're seeing, really, uh, it, it's it's not a too big of a mystery uh, on the lineup. I mean, uh, Eric Haas has been a, a spark plug for the team this year. He's out. Badu has been a spark plug. He's out. Hill was 
reasonable, doing reasonably well, and he's out. Uh, you know, the, the the depth of a bad team is being severely tested, and it's coming up short. Uh, so I think that's kind of where we are. Yeah, and it, it appeared that, that walks really bit them today. I think they had eight walks and eight strikeouts, and it was like across the board. Nobody pitched well, it seemed like. It was anytime they tried to get somebody in there, they couldn't find the strike zone. And, and what's funny is, is this was – you know, if you've been listening to the Turning the Corner pod or uh, with, with Cody and Kieran, who we had, were our guests on Sunday, Cody's been predicting A.J. Hinch would get ejected. And he was right. He got ejected today. <laughs> but, it, you know, if you look at the box score, you go, all right, I understand why he got ejected. But he got ejected before everything went sour. It's kind of odd. Like, it's like he saw it coming mm-hmm. and had to get out of there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And and now, and now you got uh, – I know they got a, a tough stretch of baseball ahead of them down the road. So, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit more later but uh yeah i don't know i went down raj uh, you know has season tickets and he invited me down on saturday which was it was their one win of the homestand and it was fiesta tigre's night and you know it was super fun they the really good uh, lively atmosphere salsa music playing i got some delicious street nachos um and uh yeah that was a great night down at the ballpark it felt like a team that mattered again uh, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel like it was. It ended up probably being their worst homestand since way back in April. I was looking, and, and I didn't remember it now, thankfully. But they lost six of seven back in mid-April to Kansas City and Pittsburgh at home. It's like, mm. oh man, oh man, that's uh, that's ugly baseball. And so I don't think they're as bad now as they were then. I think that, but they're sure. also not as good as they've been playing uh, against some really subpar competition. And so that's that's what we saw there, I guess. Uh, even on paper, the, the litany of injuries and things like that yeah. has uh, been kind of tough. Well, yeah, that's a good point, Jake, because uh, one of the things, the notes I had is, you know, we've had a fair amount of player movement in the last week or so. We, I don't know if, I think we talked about Jacob Robson getting called up last week, and yeah. he, he got all of seven plate appearances. I think he struck out four times and, and scored a run as a pinch runner. But they've already, uh, we saw, you know, Griner was uh, a little bit sore for a little bit, and then Haas had to catch several games in a row, and now he's soaring on the injured list. So they reacquired Dustin Garneau. I'll be honest with you, I, I forgot that he was out of the uh, system now. We were yeah, just down. I did watching, too. We were down in Toledo watching Juan Centeno. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, maybe you know, here's the emergency catcher, but uh, apparently not emergency enough. So in front of the show, Mark Gorosh had posted like, oh, who's going to catch for the Detroit Tigers or whatever? And I was like, oh, I bet Garneau's you know, a guy. And you know, I, I gave this cutesy little stat about how him and Griner's pop times were exactly the same. They were like 19th and 20th in 2019, I think, according to StatCast. And uh, somebody correctly pointed out, he's like, oh, he's not with the org anymore. And uh, I ended up being right anyway because they reacquired him. <laughs> There you go. In your face, somebody. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny. Well, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, sometimes it's hard to keep track, of, particularly down in the minors. If you're not paying, like, you know, if you're not writing daily or weekly recaps, it's hard to to follow all the movement down there. Because I, I missed the Garneau thing basically uh, altogether. Yep. But we also saw, you know, Paredes uh, was removed from the injured list and then optioned to Toledo. So that's where he's been. We saw him on Tuesday. Uh, looked yep. pretty good at third base. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, uh, lineups in Toledo. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we <laughs> saw the, the Jose Ureña uh, rehab yeah. start the next night. It was Matthew Boyd and they've got Badu. Badu is like, Oh, for six with six strikeouts or something bad right now. But, uh, whatever. <laughs> well. um, but, uh, yeah. And then we, uh, you know, Daz Cameron was back up. We kind of, we kind of figured that Robson was really a, a break glass situation where as soon as mm-hmm. one of the other guys was uh, available, he was heading back down and hopefully that's not it for him, but I don't really see a path for playing time for him in the future, unless there's another rash of injuries. So you'd like to, you would have liked to see him get a, a, his first career hit, I think, but absolutely. Sure. 
Sure. Yeah. And it's a, it's a role 30 profile, right? It's exactly yeah. what like scouts touted him to be. So he's kind of uh, met those expectations, which is cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, our friend Keenan posted, uh, he was like, yeah, what a bummer that he has to go back right before they go to Toronto. Cause he's a, you know, it's a Canadian kid, but uh, at the same right. time, he grew up close to the Tigers. So he got to play here for the hometown team in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, location over country, I say. There you go. But, but, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the only, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, we saw, uh, you know, we saw Matt Manning looked today a lot like he's looked all year. I think he actually had eight swings and misses today, which is among his best. But it's still, still not the guy that he was in the minors, uh, or maybe it is, and you know, we're just wrong. Uh, and, and Tarek Skubal had a pretty nice start yesterday against Otani. It was just he, he mm-hmm. ran, into, ran into a buzzsaw there. But Casey Mize had his third consecutive rough start, and I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about that, if you think there's any issues there, if it's just one of those things. Oh, you know, I think to me, what I, the, when the one thing I take a little bit of heart in is that in these three starts, he hasn't exactly been run off the mound with like three innings and eight runs, you know, with massive mm-hmm. hits flying all over the field. Uh he gave up three home runs in Baltimore. That's Camden Yards. That's kind of what the park is like. Uh, I'm not going to ding him too hard on that. Uh, the Red Sox got him for three home runs as well, so that's the, kind of a bad trend. You don't want to be giving him three home runs all the time. I thought a couple decent pitches got hit for home runs there, and I, you know sometimes you know you got to give the other team credit. He's obviously not where he was earlier this year, but as long as he's just to me the whole thing is getting through the year, learning the ropes. And, you know, not taking massive setbacks and staying healthy. And so I'm not too worried about these starts. Uh, the one about, you know, this one against the Angels wasn't pretty with the four walks, though. I mean, that's something uh, I'd rather see the home, the solo homer, uh, the odd one occasional, than, than walking four or five guys. So hopefully that's, you know, something we see correct itself. Yeah, in some ways it's been like the old Casey Mize and and not in the good way. But in, in 2020, we saw him kind of struggle with command a little bit. And um that's kind of reared its ugly head back. So I'm curious to see if it's a fatigue thing. I haven't noticed any like inconsistencies with velocity or anything like that, but you know, it's been a long season and he's coming off a shortened year and you know, they kind of anticipated this would happen to some extent with them kind of limiting starts and skipping them and doing all these kind of crafty things to try to get him through. And uh, they desperately need the innings. So, um, I think they're going to kind of keep trotting him out there as long as he's healthy and willing to to pitch. Unfortunately, but um, yeah, I, I think I think I see them kind of uh, working it out. I'm not necessarily concerned from a long term perspective necessarily. I think it's just he's kind of running out of gas as the season's over. Yeah, that's my general uh, thought too. I guess the the only mild concern I might have is is the kind of the book on Mize in college. It was like one of the one of the mi- minor concerns was like, hey, he seems to always struggle after yeah. like a certain number of innings uh and you know it happened in college happened in his first pro year but i yeah i think this does feel more like a blip i like the baltimore game i just remember looking at him and thinking like he looked like he was sweating profusely because i think it was like 95 degrees or whatever and it was just like yeah. I, I probably can't be comfortable at all uh and you know all starters are gonna have uh you know some rough outings and like you said you it wasn't like he, he got absolutely murdered he just was really struggling yeah. uh but one thing we've seen from him is is that he will fight and compete to get yeah. I think, I think what was it, four innings and, and two earned runs. I mean, ultimately, it wasn't awful. It was just like he was not pitch efficient at all, but he was battling as best he could. So, I don't know, I guess it's something to keep an eye on. Error, he? I think so, yeah. His own error hurt him in that one game. <laughs> he would have gotten through the fifth. Yeah, so, but uh, 
Yeah, I think this is the sort of thing we, we see with young starters, too, is, uh, you know, they'll hit bumps along the way, and it's nice to see them come through it, so we'll keep an eye on that in uh, his next outings. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, well, you know, it's funny, we, Jake, Rogelio, and I were, were down in Toledo on Tuesday to catch you know, a pretty exciting uh, event, you know, Torkelson, Riley Grain, and Ryan Kreidler making their AAA debut, and we, you know, uh, it, it was fun. Uh, and then we, we got home, so we missed the Tigers broadcast that night, and as I was driving home, I checked Twitter, and I go, Jack Morris, why is he tw- trending? Uh-oh. And I go, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we necessarily have to touch too much on this, but it is, uh, I don't know, it's one of those things where, like, I recognize Jack Morris as a man who grew up in a certain era, but he's also a mm-hmm. man who's been around long enough to probably know a lot better <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and he got suspended and uh who knows i mean I, I don't think any of us are huge fans of his anyway right uh as a broadcaster no. I, I don't know i mean i'll let you guys speak yourself on that but yeah it wasn't uh it, it's the sort of thing that i didn't find terribly shocking either in, in just in the fact that he did it uh but it did kind of put a bummer on what was i mean i think i don't think it overshadowed a spectacular Shohei Otani performance, but it, it was just kind of like, ah, that sucks. That that could have been something to celebrate, and we have to deal with this. Yeah. Well, it's that kind of thing. Like, Detroit gets all of the national attention for the wrong reasons. Like, this was kind of like a microcosm of that. Like, you have this great hitter, and then you have somebody, you know, making a silly comment like that. And I echo your sentiment exactly. It's like, even if he was, you know, of a certain era, you, you got to know that's not okay, you know? And you can try and play it off. And I know you, you were kind of critical of his, his apology a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, I, it's just not a good look and credit to, you know, Bally and, and the Tigers for coming out and making a statement on the, on the issue and uh, kind of being as proactive as they can. Yeah. You know, it's just not, I hate to say it, but if you're going to list all the Tigers announcers and at the beginning of the year and you had a pool, who's going to say something to get in trouble? He probably would have picked Morris, you know. And I, he came through. I love that idea, and I want to do that for next year. Okay. We'll, we'll have our – it'll be like pick, pick the stick for us, though. It's the, it's the Rod Allen Yeah. There you go. Well, that I made the joke that, like, I was okay with Morris kind of going away eventually, but I didn't want it to happen like this. You know, this is the least yeah. ideal situation for something like this to happen, so that's unfortunate. It was just so inappropriate. And it's You know, it, it, what kind of bubble are you living in? where you don't see that's, you know, wrong. You know, it was it used to be wrong but accepted. Now it's wrong and unaccepted, and that's probably a good thing. I mean, it is a good thing. And But, yeah, his apology. I mean, how many public apologies have we seen get lambasted when a person offering the apology says, I'm sorry if you were offended, like, like you're the moron for getting offended. Yeah. Uh, it's just so tone deaf and antiquated and just – I don't know. I, I hate. You know, I if he comes back, I'm not going to be incensed about it. That's fine. I hope he learns something. I have my doubts if he's the kind of guy who will, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I mean, we were discussing this here as three three white men, so I, I don't know. I mean, we have <laughs> opinions on that matter. We probably should have had uh, you know a, a person of color, or an Asian person, come on and discuss it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's it's not. It wasn't like it's not the sort of thing that that would end his career. It's just a really stupid thing to do, and if it does end his career, I'm not too upset about it. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, so Chris explained this to me. So he was ex- suspended indefinitely. So what does that mean in the context of returning eventually? They said he's yeah. going through training, right? He's going to do some yeah. sensitivity training. Okay. Yeah. 
I believe, yeah, he's he's doing sensitivity training. So maybe once he completes that, he's doing the work, as they exactly. say, and uh, maybe he'll come back. And uh, you know, I don't know. Did you ever, uh, did you ever watch that at live and see the uh, the skit McGruber? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was. Uh, there was one where he was uh, with Charles Barkley. I don't know if you ever saw that one where he was uh, <laughs> he was basically being racist to Charles Barkley, and then uh, then he went away and, and like came back wearing like a dashiki and like full African gear and was talking about Charles Barkley <laughs> as his brother. And it feels a little bit like that. Like uh, like Jack Morris might come back with a with a, a fuller understanding of Asian culture. And, oh, it's the first thing that came up on Google too. I just type in McGruber SNL and yeah, it's yeah, it's really, training. It's it's really great. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we, we we touched on that. I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. But um, so the the only other thing that I wanted to talk about with the Tigers in this part was uh, their their upcoming schedule. It's kind of uh, we talked about it. They've played a lot of kind of soft teams lately. Uh, Baltimore <laughs> lost fifteen in a row. They played the Rangers, but they're they're heading into a tough stretch. I mean, basically started with Cleveland and and Los Angeles. These are five hundred teams. And they're they're getting more with St. Louis and Toronto. Which is uh, it's kind of fun to see them play these two teams, but I'm curious mm-hmm. if there's anything in particular you guys are, are looking forward to. Well, this comes. This is actually kind of a one good segue into my inside the number. That's what I kind of had set up here tonight. Oh, the the they have a winning percentage. The the third highest remaining w- winning percentage of opponents in MLB. The Tigers have it uh, at five thirty right now. So uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge. Um, it's going to be a test of uh, these young guys, uh, some of the depth guys that they're plugging in the lineup right now, uh, going up against Vlad Guerrero, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, uh, anybody like that. And just the Rays organization in general. I mean, these next next 10 or 15 games, uh, I hate to say it, could get really ugly unless they turn the offense on a little bit and uh, the bullpen plugs the leaks. So we're just going to have to see what happens. But, yeah, um, I think – they have, I believe, it's thirty-nine games remaining, and seven are against losing teams. Jeez. So, mm. uh, so thirty-two games against teams with a winning record right now. Uh, it's going to be quite a challenge for them to uh, get home without a limp at the end of the season here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Peralta, Alexander, and Hutchison against the, the Blue Jays doesn't sound like wins to me, but that's why you play the games, I guess. Yeah, and that's what I'm curious to see is can that pitching last, and how is AJ Hinge going to navigate that Toronto lineup? Because that's a that's a bunch of hitters in that lineup. They can they can spank the ball. There is not a soft spot there, really. I mm-hmm. mean, either. sometimes their catcher's a little soft. Springer's out again. Uh, yeah. he, I mean, Springer was absolutely kicking butt for the whole uh, mm-hmm. 30, 40 games that he was back. Uh, so they're going to miss him. Uh, but otherwise, you know. They're, there's just power everywhere in that lineup and speed and and they're in fourth place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that seems unfair, doesn't it? I mean, uh, they've got like a great run differential, but yeah. And, and uh, agent Hench was addressing it after the game, the bullpen after today, the bullpen is in kind of rough shape. So I don't know what, I mean, Soto and Cisnero didn't pitch today. I don't think, but uh, they couldn't probably after. Yeah. The last yeah. I mean, of days. We, we saw Soto have uh, his worst game of the year on, uh, what was that, Tuesday? Mm-hmm, giving uh, up the Grand Slam. Just a brutal inning. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can bounce back from that. I think he's largely been uh, very effective this year. I mean, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster at times, but what would it? Uh, what would a Tiger's closer be without that? <laughs> uh, so, 
But again, they were kind of overperforming, weren't they? I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know if we expected Cisnero and Soto and Fulmer to be this like lockdown bullpen, but that's what they were for a long time. You know, a good solid month where you could count on mm-hmm. uh, Funkhauser and Fulmer and Cisnero and Soto, like in that order almost. You know, so if your starter only went five innings, they could navigate through a game still and pull it out because they were going to put up zeros. And that hasn't been happening lately. And you know, yeah. Soto, I think Soto, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I could be, but I'm not. I, I think he had two outs, nobody on in that inning, and I think a couple times he was one strike from getting out of the inning, and it just didn't, you know, he he was on the precipice of of escaping, and it just didn't happen. So if you're gonna, mm-hmm. you know, if you're gonna close all the safe situations in a year, I mean, if you're not named Mariano Rivera, you're gonna choke up a couple of them, you know. Nah, he did there. Actually, that that game was tied when that happened, I believe. But still, yeah, the situation is roughly the same. So, yeah, I think it was. Uh, I don't know. I think he's only blown one save uh, this year. But yeah, there've been a couple hiccups like that. But like you said, yeah, it's gonna happen to relievers. We saw Roldis Chapman do that earlier this year. Same thing. I think he gave up a grand slam. Yeah. Uh, it's like whoops. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I think I mean that's basically all the Tigers topics we can talk about tonight. Uh, but there was a couple uh, national issues. I mean, I, I briefly mentioned Shohei Otani. Uh, he's just an awful lot of fun to watch, man. Yeah, it's incredible. It, it, there's no, I mean, when he's pitching and leading off. I mean, just think about it. Just you know, all the baseball we've watched. You know, I, I started watching MLB in 1976, and I've never encountered anything like this. You know, it's just unbelievable. I wonder if somebody like Otani is making a lot of colleges kind of rethink their strategy because there was a long time where even community colleges, if there was a pitcher that committed to their, you know, institution or whatever, you didn't pick up a bat. That was a no, no, you know? So I'm curious if somebody like Otani is, is kind of changing baseball in that way to where, Hey, let's, you know, you're a good athlete. Let's see what you can do. And, um, see where you work out best and hey maybe that gives them you know two shots at at the next level opposed to just one avenue yeah one of one of the interesting ideas i heard now i'm a little bit skeptical because i think it may have been harold reynolds but <laughs> it was basically it was the idea like I, I guess one of the reasons we thought that nobody could ever do this is that there's too much preparation and too much work that goes into both positions mm-hmm. and his his theory was that uh he just has to go out and play he doesn't have time for that so he goes out and plays and lets the natural ability. I find it hard to believe. I think he's probably just an incredibly hard worker who's also unbelievably skilled too. But there might be something to say for that for not like, uh, you know, you go out and you're hitting and pitching in the same day. Mm-hmm. You don't worry if you ground out or don't hit a home run. You got to get back on the mound. So maybe that helps. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, I was just thinking this a second ago. In my lifetime, there's the, the only kind of comparison to this. It, it's uh, it's going to be kind of tenuous, but I, you know, remember all the Shohei Otani hype. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. There's been a clip going around of I think it was Chris Russo and uh, somebody else. He talking about how how much of a disaster Otani looked like in his first spring training and how he looks like a bust. And the Yankees are lucky they didn't get him. <laughs> and the only other time I remember somebody with this hype who ended up living up to it and and exceeding it was LeBron James as a as a high school. Because I remember back then, mm-hmm. you know, th- there had been a, a handful of high schoolers who came straight to the NBA. I mean, Kobe Bryant was a big example. Kevin Garnett. Uh, but, you know, LeBron James was the most hyped basketball prospect ever. And I really I think I maybe had seen one or two of his high school games on TV back then. We're talking 2003. It wasn't quite like it is now where there's like, you know, full high school seasons on TV. 
And, and I just remember him coming right in and going, and going, wow, okay, yeah, this is legit. You know, this dude's 6'8 and as fast as possible and can shoot and score. I was like, all right, okay. And it just it feels like that way with Otani. Like, he's so much better than even I could have imagined. I go back to the 80s and, uh, and uh, Bo Jackson. Yeah. You know, it's two sports versus two skills in one sport. Uh, but the hype, you know, the whole Nike campaign and the Bonos, mm-hmm. everything, you know. And uh, uh, I think he was getting there before the, the hip injury. You know, he, he was going to, he was fulfilling the promise and then, you know, the, he got tackled wrong and that yes. ended that. But, uh, but long, I think LeBron is a great comparison to Shohei. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'd be curious uh, what Shohei would look like as a quarterback. Let's, let's make this happen. Well, he's 6'4", <laughs> 210. He's big enough. Yeah, I think he could, and he's fast. Yeah. Very yeah. fast. Um, so there were a couple other national stories that, that kind of broke the last few days. We, we touched on this in our chat about uh, the, the the owners, I guess, or baseball, as it were, came through with their first proposal for revenue sharing in the future. And, and it basically, it was the new idea was a salary floor of $100 million, but it came with the poison pill of a salary ceiling, basically, uh, of $180 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know what what you guys if you saw that if you, what you thought about it any reactions to it. Well, to me, it seemed like a, a very tight window of a payroll that's going to be difficult to kind of navigate sustainably through an entire season. And my first thought is the players are absolutely going to reject this because mm-hmm. you think about it, you know, they want to encourage spending, and baseball should encourage spending too, and that isn't going to happen under something like this, especially when you look at like longer term deals. I think this will stifle anything beyond, you know, six or seven years probably just because, you know, there's no, there's no direction or game plan beyond that kind of time frame for your organization. So how can you plan further along? No, that's a great point. I think the, the salary floor is something I know a lot of fans on Twitter always want they seem to think that'll be a big improvement, and maybe it will be. But I always try to look at everything like this um, and see if there's uh, the opportunity for the you know the law of unintended consequences. And let's say they make that salary floor, no matter what they do with the ceiling. But let's say they make the floor 100 million dollars, and there are whatever they said. There's like seven teams below 100 million dollars right now, and that would mean all those teams have to bump their payroll up, and that's great. But now you're codifying 100 million dollars as acceptable. So now you got 23 teams who are above that line, and how many of them are going to set a little bit of a goal like, huh, our, we can get down to $100 million, and nobody can say a damn thing to us about it. You know, um, So I, I, I have reservations that the players will get something out of that uh, salary floor or everything out of the salary floor that they think if, if they want it. And, you know, the, the salary ceiling that the MLB offered, the 180 that's a joke. I mean, there's no way the players are going to accept them bringing back uh, from 210 to where it is now back to where it was. Uh, when was the last time? It was that 193? Probably 10 years ago. You know, I don't think there's, mm-hmm. no, yeah. there's no way they're going to accept that. So um, it's good that they're talking and it's good that there's numbers being floated around, but I don't think this offer moved, moved the ball very much. <laughs> yeah, it has the feel very much of an initial offer designed to either cause frustration or, you know, Hey, just in case, yeah, um, at least the counter, right? What if they say yeah. yes? Yeah. What, yeah. What if it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a fantasy baseball trade all the way. Like maybe yeah. he'll give me his three best prospects. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, we were talking with, with Helio and he was talking and I think I mentioned this before. It's like, we, we, we know that the players union for years has steadfastly refused a salary cap. 
mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily see why. It seems to work fine for other leagues. Uh, you know, if, if there's tons and tons of money in baseball and it goes up, now we're seeing NBA players with you know forty, fifty million dollar salaries. Yep. Uh, but I, I definitely think that that ceiling is the huge sticking point for the players. I'm sure they'd love to have the floor, but I think they they always believe that they need those guys to sign the mega contracts, you know, the 30, $35 million deal. It's, it's kind of the, uh, what's the old aphorism that the rising tide lifts all boats. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you get that high watermark, the guy who's making 35 million. And theoretically that raises everybody else. Now it doesn't necessarily play out. You know, you're still going to get Jonathan scopes and Robbie Grossman's who get five to $6 million a year, but you know, eventually we'll start to see those guys that, you know, average players making more like 10, 15 if the top players are making 40. So mm-hmm. I think think that's what they, they'd like to see continue. So yeah, it does feel, uh, it feels like an opening salvo in uh, what could be kind of a, a bloody conflict, but uh, I don't know, the players didn't respond at all. So that's probably good. I, I think yeah. they're better off if they uh, focus on arbitration eligibility and make some changes there and maybe shorten the, to one more, take a year off of uh, getting to free agency that would yep. you know be something players should want, but mm-hmm. I just I go back to the eighties uh, when a different team won the won the championship in every season, and teams were really forced to compete uh, to make money uh, before the days of you know the stu- uh, the revenue sharing that we have now. I just again I believe the revenue sharing is overdone in baseball because it, it incentivizes too many teams not to compete. It makes them feel comfortable not competing because they got the money coming in anyway. I think they would. I think players would be better off if they could somehow, and they probably can't, but if they could shave off some of the revenue sharing in baseball uh, and make teams feel very uncomfortable if they're losing. Uh, Detroit should be losing a lot of money comp- uh, during these terrible years, not just a little bit of money they're probably losing. Uh, and uh, that's probably a whole other story, but uh, I just go back to the 80s when, Teams had to compete to win, and we saw different teams winning all the time. Yeah, no, I. I to me, it, it feels like I'm sure players or the, the ownership is going to try to, you know, get as much money as possible. That's always a goal in the CBA. But I, I feel like the main thing they want is expanded playoffs, and I think the players are okay with that. It's probably going to result in some lesser spending on the free agent market because teams will feel like they can compete with with less talent. But it's I, I'm still kind of curious what the players want. Like you, you touched on it, you've been a lot of people agree that they they want to change the arbitration system, mm-hmm. but I'm still just a little bit skeptical about that because that's, I always just feel like that's going to affect players who might not necessarily be in the union yet. And, and it just seems the long history of the players union is they never really protect the guys who aren't in the union yet. So I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I can't picture the owners right now allowing for some sort of grandfather or they would demand some sort of grandfather clause where anybody who's currently already mm-hmm. like, you know, in year two of arbitration or under team control for five more years. I just don't see them giving up a year of that just right off the bat. So sure. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, down the line and, and it'll probably be uh, the main topic discussion for us, unfortunately over the off season. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully we have baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. I mean, you everybody don't want wants to talk about it, but yeah, everybody wants the tigers to spend, but uh, they might not be able to, if there's actually not an agreement in place. Uh, I'm curious. We kind of saw, you know, some trades and some free agency and things like that happening prior to, to COVID. And there wasn't really any guidance around what the season would look like. 
and and teams didn't really have a plan from from the sounds of it because the league wasn't giving them any guidance. I'm curious to see how aggressive this free agent market and trade market is in the off season with this kind of pending action um, yeah. coming forth. It'll be interesting. Well, the, the I think the deal expires on December one, mm-hmm. so you know it's going to be. Uh, do they go immediately to a lockout? Uh, or you know, do they conduct league business through the winter while they're negotiating? I, I, I don't know. Does everything freeze on December first or not? Yeah, I, I imagine they'll keep the window for discussion open. But yeah, I, I, who knows? I'm not an expert on the CBA. So uh, the uh, the only other news, and I don't think I put this in our notes because I saw it afterward, was that. Uh, and I'm not a baseball card guy anymore. I collected cards as a kid. I don't know if either of you guys are now, but it sounds like Major League Baseball is ending their 70 year agreement with Tops as the I guess official license of of baseball cards, and they're moving to Fanatics, which I don't I don't even know what that is. Uh, apparently, they've I don't know if it's part of like the Fanatic U stores or whatever. But uh, yeah, do apparel yeah. is it? So yeah, I, I think this is probably a, a it's probably a huge issue for people in the card collecting community. I I think I've touched on before that when I was collecting cards, the market was absolutely saturated and it was brutal. And uh, then all the steroid era hit and none of my cards are worth anything. <laughs> but now these cards, like people are breaking open packs of like three cards and making $10,000 somehow. And I'm like, what? I feel like I missed out. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, times change. You know, um, I certainly when I was a kid, I collected tops cards. And so it's kind of sad to see that name go. Though I did see a note here late this afternoon. You know, tops isn't the mom and pop operation yeah. it was when we were kids you know um it's owned by a couple of really wealthy dudes yeah. so uh it's 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 not the uh the sad story of of these people losing their livelihood <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true they're probably jerks they probably make their cards out of like uh you know stolen cardboard from homeless people yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, you think about it too. I mean, tops cards are probably going to increase in value if they stop making them too, right? So there there's that go. angle yeah. to it altogether. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have to get back into cards. So yeah, maybe they'll make out. All right. So I think that that, that puts a bow on our general discussion. Now we're going to get into the segments here in a minute. But I've got to do our live read, our cool. uh, our ad, and uh, I don't know. This is uh, I'm going to have a bit of a diatribe here because uh, I don't. There are two things that I do around the house that kind of just. Uh, kill time not necessarily kill time but the things i have to do one of them is mowing the lawn of course i think a lot of people relate to and the other one is is cleaning the pool uh which you know vacuum the pool like once a week takes about an hour but while i was i was cleaning the pool i for whatever reason i started thinking about the old uh this is completely random but i started thinking about intelligent design i don't know mm-hmm. if if you remember that at all jake or if you remember that you it was uh i don't know if this was popular like 10, 15, 20 years ago, but it was basically, you know, creationism got banned in public schools and it was mm-hmm. basically like an attempt to get around that by, okay. by, uh, I've heard of the phrase. Yeah. It was, it was basically trying to put like a scientific veneer on creationism. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not here to complain about religion or anything like that. People, you believe whatever you want. I, I just always had a problem with the name of it because I've never found the human body to be terribly, uh, intelligently designed. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of problems I have with it. Like number, number number one, our brain is right here on the top of our head, just a perfect uh, clubbing position. Basically, it's like a you know if you wanted to smack somebody, it's our most important organ, and it's just like a, it's like a fastball right down the middle. If if you wanted to skull somebody, you could. Uh, and I've always thought uh, I always thought pregnancy is just way too complicated. I feel like it, like in my mind, babies should just kind of grow on the belly and then peel off like a scab. That seems easier and better to me. I know it's kind of disgusting. Probably a lot less painful. Yeah, yeah. I, I we mean, wouldn't know, but 
<laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, it just feels uh, it feels needlessly traumatic to the mm-hmm. the female body to me. And uh, but by far, I feel like the least intelligent design on the human body is the testicles because you know these these are the male reproductive organs, and they're just kind of dangling off our bodies like a, like a little peach pit pinata and like i so i again this is me cleaning the pool and thinking this nonsense and i was just picturing like an early man kind of running across the savannah and being chased by like a saber-toothed cat and you know he's, he's naked because what you don't need clothes and it's hot so those things are dangling behind him and i don't know if you've ever had a pet cat but uh they love to chase little furry balls around <laughs> And uh, yeah, those just kind of look like I don't know. I just imagine like it just seems like a bad design. Like they're right there to be bitten off. It's like a Smilodon Crunchberry or something like that. So um, and yes, I know why testicles hang off the body. I uh, I was taught you know they need the sperm needs to be cooler than the human body, right? That's it, you know. But again, that, what's that? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> but that, see that that to me is a classic uh, example of being poorly designed like why is this little coin purse hanging off your body a better design than just coming up with sperm that can survive a little bit warmer is that really that that much easier so uh and then if they need to be cool if they need to be cool why why the hair you know what i mean what's the point of that true. so all of that is to say i think i like to think that's why manscaped developed a lawnmower 4.0 because it helps keep those swimmers cool while you maintain the neat groomed look of a show dog below the waist. So anyway, this is uh, you know this is how I get get by when I'm doing my housework. But uh, so anyway, I'm asking you to join the two million people worldwide who trust Manscaped and go to Manscaped.com for twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So, uh, of course, we want to have you check out their uh, their Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped because it's got everything you need. It's got the Lawnmower 4.0. That's their big product, it seems. The uh, It's the trimmer. It's also got the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which I think is helpful for anybody who doesn't necessarily want to Manscaped. Uh, and then, of course, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner and the Performance Boxer Briefs and a big travel bag to carry it all. So that helps. Uh, and remember that the Lawnmower 4.0 Features cutting-edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. It's waterproof, which seems to help. I think you'd probably want to do that in the shower. Uh, comes with a 7,000 RPM motor. I guess that's good. It's better than 6,000, I suppose. A, a new multifunction on-off switch and an LED spotlight, uh, I guess, in case you lose your keys down there or something. And then the, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, which we talked about for ear and nose hair. It's also waterproof. uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade stylus or system and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs, which is, uh, you know, probably ideal. And, of course, don't forget to use the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant and their Crop Reviver Toner to keep your junk in top condition for job interviews or whatever. I don't know. Uh, So, again, uh, we remind you that you can get this package with 20% off and free shipping by using the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And as I say every week, if one of you will buy this thing, I will tell a mildly embarrassing and amusing story about a personal grooming incident of my own. So with that, sorry about the long aside about intelligent design. It just was something that I was thinking about. None of those 2 million subscribers listen to the show. And, yeah. and show their picture, so you can't tell that story. Is that what you're saying? Not yet. Yeah, nobody has, has uh, given me license <sighs> to tell the story. So, Bummer. Uh, with that, we're going to move into inside the numbers. And I have uh, I have some audio here. I don't have you know. Rahelio's got the board, so he usually runs the nice clean audio. And I've got some here. I'm going to try to play. We'll see if you can hear it. If not, I'll just add it in post. But uh, let's let's give it a try here. Our inside the numbers. Oh yeah, it's time to get inside those numbers, baby. 
Eight one four seven. Quiet, but yeah, a little bit. See you there. <laughs> you look sharp. And two, three, five, six, and nine. Ooh, I like those curves. The kind of number you can hold on to at night. And I can't forget about you, Egg. Oh, baby, you got two holes, and you just keep going on and on, just the way I like it. Like Let's it. get inside those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, some disturbed person made that for us. Uh, anyway, yeah, inside the numbers, I guess we'll, we'll kick it off with uh, you, you, because you already you already touched on yours a little bit, but I don't know if you want to uh, flesh it out anymore. Well, you know, I, like I say, if uh, five point five three zero, um, and the the thing that stuck out is the third highest in MLB. So uh, it is going to be the challenge here. You know, thirty nine games to go. So twenty and nineteen would seem like a, a Pretty acceptable if they could do it. The way they're playing right now, what do you think? 15 and 24 is 15 and a half a good over-under for these last 39 games? I think that's probably ballpark uh, with what they got left uh, on the roster. Yeah, that sounds about right. What would that put them at for the season then? About 15 wins would put them at 73? Yeah. That's still about five games better than I expected, four games better than I expected. I had them at 72, so they need to be a little bit worse than we were (laughs) projecting. We'll take the under. Yeah, I think I had them 68 or 69. So, uh, (laughs) all right, yeah, I mean, that's a a good one uh, because it was something I wanted to talk about, and then you you added the numbers to it. So, Jake, uh, what's your inside the number tonight? Mine is 99, which is the win probability as late as the fifth inning, the bottom of the fifth inning for the Detroit Tigers tonight, and uh, they blew it. Long story short, they blew it. Uh, it was a, it was a good reason that uh, LA had that one percent chance to uh, to pull it out, and they did. I w- I feel like it should be even less than that, you know. Mm-hmm. Given that, like it, it seems like when you're up by that much, uh, you play that a hundred times. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe if you played a hundred times, this is what happens. But uh, so what do, yeah, what, what do you guys think of them of of the Angels? I mean, if they get Trout back full time next year, and Otani is even close to what he is, how far away from a playoff team are they? Because it's amazing. They they have some real high end talent, but they're not good. <laughs> they're not real good. Uh, it's hard to win baseball games, and I don't know. I I get the sense that they've always been kind of top heavy. That's kind of been that the way that they've rolled. Whether you talk Albert Pujols or Josh Hamilton, they always have a lot of dead money, and they always have a lot of stars that are getting paid a lot of money. And because of that, they haven't had the opportunity to really address pitching all of that much. I know Otani kind of solves one-fifth of that problem, but they still got to find four other starters to pitch. So that's kind of my take on them. I think they're kind of generally, you know, kind of top-heavy and don't have, you know, really a complete team, in my opinion. That's right. It's just so interesting to see what kind of – wonder what kind of payroll room they, they really have. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The stars they have. They need Adele to be, be the guy. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You know, he hit that huge grand slam the other day. I, you'd hope that. I mean, he was a highly touted prospect. You'd hope he could make some adjustments. But I was looking at uh, the history of guys with his kind of strikeout and walk rates in AAA. Is really bad. There's, mm. it's like you're talking like Stephen Moya level level players. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you hope that he could figure it out just for the Angels' sake. But I agree. Like, it, and it's kind of wild to think about. It. Like, Otani is not making much money at all. He right. should be making thirty five million dollars a year, but he's not. Uh, so they hit the jackpot there. But, yeah, they just have never been able to, to field a good pitching staff. And they've got an interesting offense. There are a bunch of dudes in there who don't generally strike out, and they put the ball in play, and they found some guys with power. But uh, Walsh seems like a guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the like their Eric Haas, if you will. But he seems mm-hmm. – I mean, I believe in Walsh a little bit more than Haas still. Just uh, he's a lefty sure. too. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was stunned to hear uh, the, that uh, David Fletcher has the second most hits in the American League. Yeah, I mean he's he's. I think he has also has the uh, the lowest average exit velocity. He is just a classic <laughs> kind of slap and dash hitter. But he's, he's the player he, Vic Reyes wants to be. Yeah, a little bit, or he's kind of like a Nick Madrigal, you know, uh, just a guy who can he can put the bat on the ball, and and it's generally it's like the the last person you want to face in a no hitter. So anyway, yeah, my my inside of the number was originally going to be about Tarek Skubal because he has the highest barrel per batted ball rate in baseball this year, but. I still like Scoobal a lot, and I hopefully he'll figure that out. And, and I had to go, like Jake, with today's game. So my number is 18. So the Tigers scored 10 runs today, but still managed to lose by three runs. And I looked, and that's the 18th time in franchise history they've done that. They've scored mm. double-digit double, double digit runs and still lost by three. Uh, and the last time was just three years ago. It was actually the first game of the 2018 season, the first game of the Ron Gardenhire era, which I had somehow completely forgotten, uh, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember it either. It was against the Pirates. Pirates, yeah. And the Tigers took a 6-4 lead heading into the eighth, but Drew Verhagen and Daniel Stump combined to give up two runs to tie it. And then the Pirates scored four in the top of the ninth off Shane Green and Joe Jimenez to take a 10-6 lead, uh, which looked like game over, except no, the Tigers got two-run doubles in the ninth from James McCann and Dixon Machado to tie it at 10. And it stayed that way until the 13th when Alex Wilson, who was working his fourth inning, uh, gave up a three-run bomb to Gregory Polanco. So that was that's 23 runs in that game, and that was the only homer. Uh, and like I said, I completely forgot about it. So, uh, and that's the first game of the year. So let's hope that uh, we forget about this one too. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, with that, I guess we'll we'll move into the next segment, the the good, bad, and ugly. So I'm going to play another song here. Again, it's probably going to be too low because I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, let's give it a go. And now it's time for the good. That's good. The bad. Ooh, that's bad. And the ugly. Can I go now? Here on Tigers Radio, Chris and Rahelio. <laughs> good. All right. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. Uh, UP went first last time. Jake, uh, how about you go first this time? Sure. So, my good is the Brewers. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're winning the game that they're playing right now against the Cardinals. It's one of those teams that... And, and I'm, I'll probably write about this at uh, over at MCB, but it's one of those teams where it's just they're kind of well-rounded. You know, I guess if you want to count Yelich, but it's it's just kind of a, a team of really good players, maybe not superstars, and they have a really good bullpen when you look at Hader and, and Devin Williams. And they're just kind of, you know, they don't really stand out. They're kind of a, one of those mid-market kind of teams, and it shows that they can still win. And kind of how that relates to the Tigers is like, hey, you don't have to like shell out a bunch of money and win. You know, you can do it this way. And um, of course, you know, the Yankees and the the Astros and their kind of teams are, you know, more flashy, probably more talented overall too. But there's a reason that they're, you know, going on 10 games uh, ahead of the Reds in the NL Central. So I've just been really impressed. I'm not somebody who like monitors the divisions really, really closely across the league. So it was one of those teams where I just kind of like looked over and I was like, holy crap, they're almost like 30 games over 500. That's insane. But uh, really good team. And uh, they've play, been playing well lately, too. So my uh, my bad is the back end of the Tigers pen. We've seen uh, Jose Cisnero give up, you know, that home run to Otani. We saw Gregory Soto give up the grand slam to Joe Adele. We saw Michael Fulmer falter today. It's uh, It's been kind of disappointing to see this back end and these reliable relievers that, you know, AJ Hinch has been counting on uh, kind of struggle a little bit. It's been kind of uh, kind of frustrating. And, and like I said, I, I think it's more so that they probably weren't 
that good to begin with. We know relievers are volatile anyway, um, but it's been disappointing nevertheless and probably not a good thing that they've all fallen off all at the same time. And then my ugly is Jake Rogers, who was transferred to the 60-day DL, meaning that that forearm issue is maybe a little more serious than initially hoped. Um, maybe that frees up a roster spot, or maybe there's some kind of uh, thing there, maybe a loophole or something like that I'm, I'm not aware of. But um, sounds like he's seems like he's done for the year, unfortunately. And um, it, it's a shame because he's kind of established himself as you know, a catcher. Is he the starting catcher? I don't know that yet, but um, he, he, he definitely deserves – one of those two catcher spots on the roster next year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that uh, they said that he's the earliest he can come back now. I mean, it was kind of suggested that he wasn't going to come back till September anyway, but now like, he can't mm-hmm. really until mid or late September. So, yeah, that's a bummer. You know, you go back to your, your Brewers comment there. Uh, I made the comment the other day. I mean, just think back um, about eight years ago, if we said, Abasayo Garcia and Willie Adamas are leading a team to the playoffs. We <laughs> <laughs> you know, weren't thinking the Brewers then. You know? No, you yeah. weren't. <laughs> and those guys are playing great, both of them. Yep. Uh, Abasayo had two homers the other night, and uh, Adamas had one, uh, and they won that game like 6-4. to four. Uh, So, uh, you know, it took, it took Garcia a long time to come around, but he's, he's playing some good baseball this season. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's his second go-around with the Brewers. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken there. Uh, but, yeah, you, you're why, right. why don't you uh, go ahead and roll roll into your good, bad, and ugly now. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, my good is maybe we can make, take a bad situation and, and, and get something good out of it. Uh, the Jack Morris ugliness that he put everybody through and Shohei Otani through, uh, now he's going to probably be out. I can't imagine they're going to hitch their wagon to him long-term anymore. And we all know the Tigers broadcast – situation has been less than acceptable for a while uh now is their time they can really go out and challenge themselves to find somebody good you know and uh kind of liven up those broadcasts a little bit um because we've talked about kirk gibson before and we don't know enough about his illness and what medications he might be on and maybe that's why he's so sedate but it's a tough listen i hate to say it because he's i'm sure he's a wonderful guy and morris is a tough listen uh, i find Craig Monroe, far more interesting, even when I don't agree with him half the time, just because he's enthusiastic and lively. You mm-hmm. know, he brings energy, and I want to listen. <laughs> uh, because so often with these other guys, I, I'm going to the other team's broadcast quite often, uh, which sh- I shouldn't have to do, really. So I hope that they find something different, something unique for next year. I, I don't have a lot of hope that they'll go way outside the box, but it'd be great if they did. Um, and I don't know, even know who that would be. I know a lot of people are throwing around Petrie. And Danny, I'm sure Dan Petrie is fine uh, and would be a step up. But I just hope that um, they take this opportunity to make a real search and, and find something to help the entertainment value of the broadcast. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, every now and then I'll go back and, and find clips of Tigers from four or five years ago. And it's, it's really kind of uh, stark, the difference you could hear Kirk Gibson talking several years ago and the difference in his voice and, and his, uh, you know, meter. Yeah. And, and it's a real bummer because I, I really enjoyed Gibby. I thought he offered a lot of insight, particularly with things like base running stuff mm-hmm. that, that, that you wouldn't get from traditional analysts. He would talk about like, Oh, he's going to go on the third pitch here. Or he talked about the seconds. And, and he was also an old school guy who seemed to embrace kind of modern analytic thinking, at least to a certain degree. He was always talking about, you know, run expectancy and things like that. So yeah. it's definitely unfortunate to see. I mean, I have no issue if they're keeping him on uh, to help 
him. I mean, he, he probably isn't hurting for money, but maybe, you know, health insurance for his condition is, and, and they're helping him there. But yeah, I, I agree. It, it's, you feel bad, but it doesn't make for a great listen anymore. You know, I would, I would like to see them do something about it. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. now that that's almost a bit of a sad thing, but I'm going good, sad and ugly today because the sad <laughs> situation is the bill freehand pass, yeah. uh, from with, with dementia for several years. Um, <laughs> You know, being the oldest here, I had his base. When I was doing baseball cards, he was still hanging on when I started. Um, and my father always had a lot of good Bill Freehand stories, you know, just of when he saw him play and, and things that he did. The man just had a great career and a good life. Uh, the University of Michigan, Detroit Tigers, uh, World Series uh, champion in 68. His two best offensive seasons were in their two big seasons of 67 and 68. Uh, so when they... Needed him to come through in those years. That's when he was at his best. Uh, 11-time All-Star. Really does seem like a shame he's not in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully that's something that a, a Veterans Committee can uh, can uh, take care of here at some point. And uh, so his family can see that, even though he he wasn't around to see it. Uh, but it's a sad day. I was, you know, I give Jim Price over the years probably some uh, grief over some of his broadcasting issues too. But he was genuinely sad today on TV. Uh, you can see he was really broken up about it. Felt pretty bad for him. That you know that was a lifelong friend of his that uh, had passed away. He was pretty emotional. Uh, so you could see what freehand meant to him. So uh, rest in peace to Bill Freehand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a guy. I don't think I knew a ton about him until I don't know ten, fifteen years ago. You just digging through some of the old Tiger stuff and seeing, like you mentioned, the eleven All Star appearances. Like, so that tells you what people thought of him in his own time. This is in a situation where people are looking back and going, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Five gold gloves. I was looking up. He's got the 13th highest war for a catcher ever right between Thurman Munson and Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Buster Posey is going to be a hall of famer. He's ahead of Yadier Molina who will probably get in the hall of fame as well. So it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the bar for catchers should be lower mm-hmm. in terms of total war, just because it's such a tough position. You're not playing every game. Yeah, and I was like 200 career home runs, career 260 hitter while playing catcher, you know, 130, 140 games a year, catching some of the best pitchers of the era, facing some of the best pitchers of all time. Uh, caught the final out of the 1968 World Series, I believe. It was a pop-out. Yeah, a great Tiger, and uh, sad to see him go. I forgot to look it up, and I could be way off the off – the, I, I might be really wrong here. Um, but I believe – did Michigan win the College World Series when he was there? Uh, Boy, uh I'm not positive. I could be wrong about that. As a player? Yeah, I thought he oh, did. Okay, because he did go back to, to be their coach. Right. That's possible. I think that would, like, I feel like they won in the 60s, so yeah. I don't know. Let me see. Uh, yeah, that's a good thing. I, I, I can look that up if you want while you do your uh, your ugly, if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, um, my ugly was the uh, Chris Bassett situation the other night. Uh, it took that line drive off the head. Extremely, extremely scary. He was down. You know, you think of Tyler Zombro, the minor leaguer in the Rays organization, who uh, got nailed this year and went into convulsions on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, a few years ago, they tried to come up with that hat for pitchers to wear, and it, it looked like a Napoleon hat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the one guy wore it, and good for him. But he was, was that Andres of, Torres. Yeah, and he yeah. was made fun of and, you know, there's just a certain amount of pitchers where that thing does not look cool and they're not going to wear it. Um, but I hate to think that it's going to take the ultimate injury to fix this somehow uh, because there's just so much velocity in the game right now. 
and balls are flying back at those pitchers at 109, 110 miles an hour. <sighs> Something's got to be done. You know, at first, I don't, they're not going to wear a face mask like the like uh, women's softball. I don't, you know. Uh, but when that did come into play, a lot of people scoffed and said, there's no way they're going to be able to wear those and compete. And they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't tell me they can't find something uh, to protect a pitcher a little bit. Uh, because to me, they're lucky. Uh, they haven't had a, a maiming injury uh, since, you know, whatever that was, 1919 or, uh, you know, Herb score, uh, <laughs> lost some of his vision, you know, uh, and even then that's, you know, he went on to a life, he had a life. Uh, they're going to have somebody not have a life here soon, uh, because it's just dangerous. Yeah. And you think about it, you know, Pitchers probably are the more psychotic of the bunch when it comes to baseball players, you know, and they and they value that kind of routine and and repetition and uh, they're creatures of habit. And I've been doing this, you know, however long, so why can't yeah. I keep doing it? And and to me, everything looks stupid until it doesn't. You know, we we used to think that about the the base coaches wearing the helmets, right? We're like, oh, that looks that looks dumb, that looks silly. We don't even think about it anymore, right? So it's it's going to take something like that, uh, and probably best of both worlds, where you know it's a little more um, aesthetically pleasing. We'll say, I guess, I don't I don't know, and uh, also kind of does the job in terms of protection for these pitchers. But yeah, that was unfortunate to see. Yeah, and and uh, actually, that was my ugly as well. Almost the exact same sim commentary. All I. The only different things I had, I'll go backwards, ugly, bad, good today. So it's, uh, um, I, it's the same thing. You know, he took, that was a hundred mile an hour uh, liner off the head, which is not soft by any means, but one of these days it's going to be 105, 110, 115, yep. 120, and somebody's going to get, you know, it's going to be a tragedy. Yeah. And, and it, I'm with you, man. Like it's, it's, it feels like for whatever reason, nobody's going to do anything about it until that tragedy happens. And, uh, you know, it, my, my idea in my head was uh, and I also talked about the Alex Torres hat because it was yeah it looked kind of like he was wearing a toilet seat on his head or something like that but <laughs> and, and, and in that case I mean that's protecting his skull but not necessarily protecting his face and it, you know it, it's hard to think of something that would work for a pitcher but I keep thinking like you know we got pretty good technology in this world now I have to believe there's a way some sort of airbag system basically where whereby it can detect something coming at your head and instantly inflate like i I, who knows i mean you're talking about split seconds here but and and you know how much that thing would weigh but even if it doesn't like take the full force of the ball away it would at least blunt it a little bit and and protect and not necessarily and also with that you'd have the you know hilarious uh occasional accidental explosion where you know yeah he's in the middle of a pitch and he goes full jiffy pop (laughs) and uh but I no, I mean maybe the technology isn't there. Maybe that would be too heavy. Maybe the battery to make it go off would be too much. But it, it just feels like something like that is is available down the line, or I don't know, maybe ho- hockey masks, whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm with you all the way. It's 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 inevitable. We're gonna we're gonna see it, and you know, it's in, in, in women's softball. They they made girls start wearing it at a young age, and now now yep. it's part of their life. So yeah, maybe it just that's where it got it has to start at a, a really low level of youth baseball and. Yeah. It's something we. It's an improvement we see in 15 years at the major league level. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember hockey players who didn't wear helmets. I, I don't remember goalies who didn't wear helmets, but that definitely happened too, which oh, seems yeah. utterly insane. <laughs> uh, but there you go. So yeah, maybe like you said, Jake, everything looks weird until it doesn't. Uh, so yeah, going, going back, to my bad. 
is the Philadelphia Phillies, which is uh, interesting because I think I was talking about them as being good not that long ago. But uh, they seem to be hot right after the trade deadline. I was giving Dave Dombrowski credit. Uh, meanwhile, the Mets were collapsing in traditional Mets fashion. Uh, but now it's Phillies' turn to fall apart. They are uh, they were in first place one week ago last Thursday. Now they're three and a half games back mm. uh, after the Braves. Uh, yeah, they they were swept by the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So the D-backs did have the worst record in baseball until this sweep and until the Orioles lost their fifteenth straight. So uh, and meanwhile, the Braves are the hottest team in baseball right now. They have the best run differential in that division by like a hundred runs. So this may feel like, I don't know. I don't remember what year it was when the Tigers, like they felt like they were the best team in the division all year long, but we're just hovering around 500 until like, you know, late August, September when they, they pulled away. Uh, maybe that's what the Braves are doing, but yeah, the, you know, the Phillies, it's tough because they, they went through a pretty nasty, you know, tear down and rebuild kind of similar to the Tigers. They basically held on to their good players for too long yep. uh, and, you know, gave, a bad contract or two and, and uh, you know, they've gone out and signed the, the difference between them and the Tigers. They went out and signed a bunch of big deals, you know, Harper and, and things like that. And uh, they're still just kind of hovering around 500. They fired Gabe Kapler because he wasn't good enough. And they brought in Joe Girardi. who's exactly the same, uh, at least producing the same results. So I don't know. It's tough out there in Philly. Uh, and my good, the Tampa Bay Rays who to me are just like the, like the Brewers, like the, uh, like the A's, just a team that always wins. Now it's weird because they were such a laughing stock for so long, but uh, they just—it seems like no matter who they lose or what happens, who they get get rid of, they're going to come out and they're going to be great. They—they they, over the last thirty days, they have the best offense in baseball. Uh, they're seven and three in the last ten. They got a five and a half game lead in the AL East, and their 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 team offense for the last month is uh, a WRC plus of one thirty two. They. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're, they're like they're going to go out and win 95 games every year. It seems like Randy Rosarena has been really hot. He's kind of running away with the rookie of the year thing now, which I think people expected early in the year, but he's finally grabbed onto it. Uh, Brandon Lau, Mike Zanino, Brett Phillips, who's super fun to watch. Wander Franco has been exactly as advertised. They've all been great for a month now, and so and uh, like you talked uh, touched on earlier, you the, the Tigers have seven games against them <laughs> this September, yeah. uh, and and you know what's interesting is is we were talking about the Tigers stretch, and and it does feel like. You know the thoughts of getting to 500 are probably gonna uh, kind of fade away, and we'll get back to be like, uh, "Hey, uh, how many games can they lose down the stretch? What's what's the best draft position they can get?" Because uh, how can they get to number nine? Yeah, I mean, I think they're at like 11 right now, and I'm, yeah. I'm looking at I'm going maybe number eight if Colorado keeps winning. But uh, so yeah, Tampa, Tampa's pretty damn good, It'd and that's it for th- Tampa's starting pitching a little bit hurt here and there. They're going to have a lot of bullpen games, but you know they're the kind of team in the in the playoffs. Who are going to piss off all the old school guys? Yeah, they don't care who pitches when. You know, they'll yeah. they'll you know it, it'll be nothing for a starter to come in the game in the sixth inning or uh, a closer to start a game or something. You never know. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what they how they thread that needle. And that's another team that it does feel. When I mentioned the A's, it feels a little bit like the A's where they'll they'll get. I mean, they made the World Series, but it feels like when they get in the playoffs, they don't have whatever. They just don't have the superstars or whatever that you traditionally think you need. Uh, which might necessarily, it might just be they just need chances. Like, you, you know, the the Nationals had superstars in that awesome series a couple of years ago, but it was Howie Kendrick with the big hit. So, mm-hmm. so you know, who knows? But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I said earlier before the show we didn't have any questions, but we did get one during the show. Hey. Uh, and and one, one thing I also wanted to touch on, uh, I meant to ask you earlier, uh, but we didn't, since you weren't around last week and you weren't uh, on the Sunday show, you, I was wondering uh, if you had any thoughts on the prospect promotions, uh, how you felt about all that. Well, from a personal standpoint, I'm excited because uh, uh, t- uh, Toledo comes to Des Moines in uh, September for a six-game series. Uh, and nice. I have my 
it's already purchased. So I'm uh, very excited. I'm, I'm going to for sure see three, uh, hopefully a fourth. Uh, so that, just from my personal side, fantastic. Uh, for the organization itself, it's an exciting thing. I think uh, the good news is pretty much all three warranted the move um, uh, to one degree or another, especially Green, the year he's had as a 20-year-old in A. Nothing wrong with moving him up the ladder. Uh, Torkelson hitting 263, but everything else kind of in line with what we were hoping for with the home runs and the power. Uh, and Kreidler, I'm, I'm, my interest has peaked officially. You know, he, he's got the power. Uh, people seem to like the defense. Keep the guy going, see what happens. But, uh, you know, it's just been such an interesting thing. So much of the organization's future prospects uh, and success are tied to Torkelson and Green. They really can't afford to miss on either one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the and you put that against the team, the, the, the major league team, having some semblance of success this summer, which has been fun, but really means very little. Because so many of these guys who are propelling them to a few victories here this summer aren't going to mean anything to, to the to the next contending team. Whereas it's Torkelson and Green, uh, and then anybody else that they that they can, if Dingler you know comes up and joins them, uh, maybe Kreidler's that guy, maybe Clemens is a utility guy. Who knows? That's those are the guys that are going to form a nucleus of, of the next winning ball club, uh, along with. Uh, just a smattering of guys on the big league roster right now. So uh, it, it, it was very exciting. It, it probably means that we see them, hopefully, you know, assuming baseball starts on time with the CBA, you know, do we see all, we see both of those guys by June 1st uh, in Detroit? I think it's possible. Yeah. You know, I, I, as it happened, I mean, I was ready to say, no, they weren't going to do it. I think Hedge earlier that day said, yeah, we don't know. Um <laughs> I was I was uh, kind of legitimately shocked by Kreidler getting called up too. Not that, uh, like you said, he didn't warrant it. It was just like, hi, oh, I didn't think they thought of him that well. And and here he is, he's his first three games, he's six for eight, two, two homers, a double, two walks, and no strikeouts. Meanwhile, uh, you know, Green was one for four tonight with three Ks, and Torque was zero for four with two strikeouts. It was like, huh, huh all right, maybe Ryan Kreidler. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the one thing we talked about is like, you know, it would be absolutely awesome if he ends up being a guy, uh, but. One thing we got to be wary of, and, and a lot of people have already pointed this out, is like, hey, don't let the Tigers sell you on Kreidler as the shortstop of the future. You need to go out and get one of those shortstops if possible. Uh, but no if, if he does become the shortstop of the future, I mean, that's super awesome. But uh, get two shortstops, and then you can trade him. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you can always go play second or third. You bet. Yeah. So the uh, the one question we got, and I'll, I'll hand this one off to Jake because uh, Steve Cook he asked, he said, how impressed are we with? what Bo has done all year at double a or including at double a. So he's talking about Bo Brisky. He said uh, 95 to 19 strikeouts to walk 66 hits in 84, two thirds innings. Uh, And the reason I give this to you, Jake, is that I think I mentioned this before uh, you and and, uh, chip were the first two people who even I ever heard even discuss Brisky. And it was (laughs) at his start. We were at his start and I didn't, this is the importance of going to games and scouting because you could look at the, the, uh, there are guys who put stat lines like this up and, and, you know, they don't have anything of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you guys were out there. You were charting every pitcher, seeing what they had. I was, you know, like, hey, all right, let's see Dingler and, and Torvalson uh, <laughs> taking video. And meanwhile, you know, after the game, you're like, I don't know, Brisky, that's kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah. yeah, how impressed are you with, with what he's done this year? Well, when you consider that he was off of most everybody's radar heading into the season, it, it makes it 
that much more impressive. Um, I, I touted him as like a, you know, potential role 30 guy, meaning that, you know, he'll kind of come up in an emergency situation, spot start, something like that ultimately. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been impressive. He's, he's done a nice job. It's kind of a pitchability profile. He'll hit like 94 with the fastball, moved it around a little bit. Um, what caught my eye was the changeup and, and it's just kind of his go-to off-speed offering. Yeah. It, it was one of those things. And it kind of funny, you know, after we saw him, I appreciate you saying that. Cause like now he's getting all of these like minor league accolades and he's getting these promotions and articles written about him and things like that. It's kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I, I hate to say I saw him, saw him first. That's probably not the case, <laughs> but like it was, it was May when we went and yeah. I, I looked at the, uh, the scorecard as we were walking in and it was kind of like, Oh, you know, it's not Keita Montero. It's not uh Brennan white or, you know, somebody that we were kind of not going there to see necessarily, but um, you know, somebody, intriguing and, and worth watching and um it was one of those things where I, as i as the game kind of went on uh, he just kind of uh he showed himself to me you know <laughs> i wasn't really looking for him um but yeah it's been it's been incredibly impressive and um pipeline has touted him as one of their top 30 prospects in their most recent update so it's kind of cool to see do, uh, do you do you see um going back about 15 years and in, in a comp when you describe him and what i've watched do you see Zach Miner comes to my mind. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's a decent comp. You know, it's about the same velocity, change up, that kind of stuff. You know, I I remember Zach Miner as kind of a heavy sinker baller. I don't I don't think Brisky's a sinker pitcher, is he? No, that's true. He did have a sinker baller. He was in that ninety four to ninety five range. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he reached up to. Yeah, he reached up into the mid nineties. Um, and I'd be interested, you know, Zach Miner kind of carved out a relief role. I'd be interested to see if if Brisky eventually carved out, you know, a long relief kind of role, or even if he's going two, three innings, if there was a little more velocity to be had there, that'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see. Yeah, and 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 having that change up as his best uh, secondary, that's always nice to see in, in a relief uh, profile because it mm-hmm. you know, gives you a weapon against uh, opposite hand hitters which means you know like like you said it, it could be a swing man it could be a long reliever uh something like that so absolutely and and we find with the relief profiles for whatever reason you look across the, the league there's very few fastball curveball guys mm-hmm. you know and he does have a curveball and it's kind of i don't know below average fringy probably something like that you know he he's not afraid to throw it or anything like that it's not an issue of i think it's just the movement profile is kind of meh but um yeah, you see a ton of fastball changeup combinations in, in relief profiles these days, which is kind of neat. And I'm, you know, I think Yoop, I think that that minor co- uh, comp is for the type of player he is. I think that's that's pretty darn good. It's, you could carve out something like that, and, oh, no. and for for uh, what is he a twenty seventh round pick? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. something something like that. Seventeenth, I don't know exactly. I mean, that would be outstanding. So uh, anything you get from that, somebody drafted an Adrian Jet stealing from there. You yeah, know. absolutely, and. Uh, and, yeah, they they needed starting pitching in the system. He might not necessarily, you know, stay as a starter all the way up, but uh, he's been a, a huge boon to the system this year. They needed a couple surprises, you know. Yeah, and that's one of them. And uh, being able to somehow get Reese Olson for Daniel Norris is another big surprise. So yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. a couple of good names there, at least to watch. Yeah, he should be having his uh, his first double A start coming up pretty soon. I don't know if it's tomorrow or or this weekend, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So I think that that uh, that was the only question we got. Thanks, Steve. Uh, but uh, that should wrap it up for tonight. We appreciate you guys uh, joining me. Um, I don't know if you want to tell people where to find you and what you might be writing over at MCB soon. Well, uh, for me, you can find me at uh, my my name is John Urkula. Google me at the site, but otherwise, it's Uper underscore IA. I live here in Iowa. 
I've, it's so funny. I have like three different articles in various stages of uh, incompleteness. <laughs> so, uh, I just can't find my way to an ending. I suppose I should probably work on that tonight. Maybe I will. It happens. I've I've had my uh, I've had the Miguel Cabrera hits his 500th home run article. Yeah, wait, waiting for a while. But uh, yeah. is there like a conspiracy that Chris Illich is like um, preventing Miguel Cabrera's power surge to up the attendance numbers? They got the the target or yeah the uh, Metrodome fans blowing in when he gets up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start that conspiracy if we want Here to. You I uh, you can find me at Bo's Nose BB on Twitter. Um, yeah. And, and at the site, I'm, I'll probably work on something around the, the competitive um, window for the Tigers, how it's kind of creeping up and, and getting closer and they've kind of overperformed and how teams like the Brewers and the Giants have showed us that, you know, you don't need this laundry list of stars necessarily to, to compete and to win. Cool. Nice. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. So, yeah. And, and of course, you can find me at Chris Brown 0914. You can find Rogelio at Rodcast Baseball, I believe, right? Yep. Let me, uh, you know, I don't often look at other people's Twitter handles. And, of course, the show at uh, Tigers Radio Pod. And uh, like we said, t- check out all the uh, the work we do over at Motor City Bengals. And if you want to check our minor league stuff, it's Tigers ML Report on Twitter and also Tigers Minor League Report on YouTube. So thanks, everybody, for listening this week. And we'll catch you maybe Sunday. I don't know. I don't know when's Rod- Rod's getting back. If not, we'll see you next Thursday. So have a good one, everybody. Little big city where they love the roof for underdogs. Anywhere we go, I get it jumping like it's Rucker Park. Ask around, I done rocked every crowd that I've come across. Got all the heads over heels like a somersault. No one cares enough to hate player, you just suckers all. Upper deck status, started out as an undercard. Cutting up so much, I should work at a lumber yard. When talk of who's the best comes up, I'm never uninvolved. Thought all was lost when I didn't get a record deal. But it just helped sharpen up a different set of skills. Every one step forward. Forward is better than setting still. If I ain't quit yet, sure bet I never will.